Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is award-winning director Reed Harkness, and we're going to be talking about his new documentary entitled Sam Now. Welcome to the show, Reed. Thank you. Really good to be here. It's lovely having you here. What an interesting documentary. This has had a long journey from beginning to end. It started out to be one thing and ended up being something entirely different. Let's tell the audience a little bit about what Sam Now is all about so they understand what we're talking about when we begin talking about the film. Sure, yes. Sam Now is a documentary film that I started 25 years ago. It's a project where I started focusing on my brother using fiction filmmaking inspired by Michael Apted. I wanted to capture his growth over time and we're doing little short films as he's growing older. And then in that time, you know, like we're going on these adventures and having all these brotherly bonding moments. Something comes up, something really dramatic happens in our family. And we start talking about it as maybe there's something we could do about this big problem by applying our filmmaking. So what's happened is my stepmom, Sam's mom, my half-brother, has vanished out of the blue. Nobody knows where she is. And... It's remained like that for years, and our family doesn't really have a good solution. And we're talking about Sam. Sam, this film is about Sam, Sam now. I don't want to give away too many things in this film, because it's a film that needs to be discovered, because there's so much into it, but there are so many interesting aspects to it. I do have a question, though. I mean, I don't know if this was... I didn't clearly get this out of the film. His mother, you share the same father, and there's how many years between you and Sam? Eight years. I'm his older brother. Okay. So eight years. And then she just, beautiful woman, beautiful woman who just literally disappears off the face of the planet. Did anybody really try to do anything to find her at that point in time? I mean, there was no, no, no anything, right? Correct? When she left? Yes. Yes. So yeah, there was an effort. The police were contacted. And then what happens in a missing person situation like this is they put a a detective, a missing persons detective on the case in Seattle. And in an amount of time, that detective detective got back to our family. And what I heard was they'd found her and she's not being held against her will and she doesn't want to talk to any of you. So that left our family in a big conundrum. And during the years that she was gone, our other brother Jared gets really depressed. Sam's kind of taking the other path to processing this by avoiding it altogether. And I became the person in the family that was like, hey, somebody, we need to do something about this. And what we ended up doing is Sam and I decided to go on a road trip to look for her. And that is amazing. And it was detective work for you to discover where she might be. So let's talk a bit about that process. I mean, not only were you the filmmaker on this, you were also a a detective and quite the adventure, a 2000 mile trip. (laughs) With the the two of you to locate his mother. So let's talk a little bit about that journey and how you did eventually locate her. Sure. So right off the bat, when we decide to do this as a film, I start interviewing everyone in our family to get clues or information as to where she might be and discover two things. One, like, even though it seems like nobody's like taking any action or doing anything about this, like everybody's emotional about it. And they're having closed door conversations that don't involve me or my brothers. And so when I kind of open the door, 
war, it starts like, I start realizing like how everybody's really distraught over this. And then the other bit is, it's like nobody knows a thing about where she is. Like then something does surface, like one random person that might happen to know where she is surfaces. And it's like this professor at a university somewhere. And we're like, okay, let's go and try to meet them on their office hours. Like that's our best shot. We just got to like go meet them face to face. And like, that's the, they won't turn us away. And <laughs> and so, yeah, we go on this long, we go on this road trip. You know, it's like, yeah. I, you know, I don't know how in. much you want to tell and how much you I was don't. Like, I'll tell the whole movie. No, okay. um, <laughs> right, yeah, we go on this road trip and I'm driving. I'm the driver. Sam doesn't even have a license. We're going on this trip. And and how old is Sam? I start to, how old is Sam at this point? He, I think he's 16 okay. on the road trip. And, and she's I'm pretty been, cru- at that. Excuse me for interrupting. But um, and at that point, how long had she been gone? About three years. Okay. So we're on this road trip and I'm starting to realize the pressure and what I've taken on. Okay. I love the idea of going on an adventure with my brother, a road trip. Yes. All that thing is like great. But like, here we are. And what if Sam breaks down? What if we don't find anything? And it's just, we're just left with this like sad attempt. And then a lot of other things start coming up. Like along the way, I talked to Joyce's adoptive family and, you know, I start to learn a little bit about like what her home life was like. And my mom, Chayo lives in the Bay Area. And so I we stop in on her and, you know, it's total flash up against these sort of ideas of like what motherhood is. And basically, that's when all the revelations start. Right. That's a whole nother topic. What is motherhood? <laughs> Get into a whole lot around that also. What I found interesting that, and I hope I'm not, again, saying too much, is that when you, you do locate her, but that's, you know, we, we can go into that deeper if you want to. She had no remorse. She didn't really, you know, she had wrecked havoc on her two children, her two sons, and their lives were traumatically affected by this for the rest of their lives. And we'll get into that a little deeper too. But she didn't seem to have any remorse. It was like, no, this is, I had to do this for me. And it was just very self, selfish, self-contained. I don't know what word we can, you probably have a better word for it than I do because you lived it. Um, how did you feel about that? Mm. On one hand, I grew up in a house with her and part-time. I would go between California and Seattle and knew her really intimately and like had gotten used to her personality and who she was. And, you know, was somebody that was like, she's a mom to me as well as Sam. She like have so many like great memories of experiences in the summer. She would, she would be the mom that would like get out a whole tray of water balloons for, for your friends to just start a, a water balloon fight. You know, she was, <laughs> she was a really fun stepmom for me. And then in this this movie, in real time, once we reconnect with her, I'm starting to pick up on things I hadn't noticed before. And I'm really taken aback by the things that you are, which is, okay, she seems really grateful that we made, that there's a reconnection, a reunification with her kids. But she doesn't want to own up to what's happened, what she's done, her actions. Mm-hmm. It's like a wall. It's like she's not, it's not something that computes or is something that she's willing to even entertain so um that makes me really curious and i dive even deeper into like trying to understand like how how could anyone leave their kids in that way um you know i think one way to think about things is that um we can never truly relate to another person. Like we can never know what another person's life experience is. 
And, um, you know, with my stepmom, I think, you know, we've got these patterns of generational trauma that exist. She was um, a baby right after World War II in Japan, and she was orphaned, and she was, um, you know, adopted into a family that is really, it's it just, it seemed like she didn't feel any connection with them. Mm. Uh, I think that, I think that when these things happen, um, we start to see patterns that um, are really confusing. It's really hard to like wrap your head around. And I have leaned in really far to just sort of, um, to try to get it. And I, I think that the best way I can understand it is like, Hey, let's say that my mom, you know, couldn't couldn't handle me, you know, at eighteen months old, and and like was like, okay, I'm out. And then I was adopted into a family at eighteen months, and there wasn't a connection there, and there wasn't a lot of compassion there. What would I end up like? What would what would my defense mechanisms start to look like? Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes we detach to protect ourselves, you know, from being hurt. And perhaps that was one of her mechanisms, because that's certainly what is what manifested later in her life, that she just detached, um, is my We all do that, right? Like, we right? all do that in little ways. Yeah, we do. And there's yeah. so many. And so it's an investigation, not into just this one big detachment, but... Right how my family detaches from the the situation being a sort of like stain on the family and, you know, a bit of pain that like we're all wrestling with, but like nobody really wants to deal with. And then, you know, um, you know, Sam begins to detach from his emotions and we see how that plays out over years. Um, yeah. All those things are intertwined. Yeah, they all are. And um, so you started out this movie being one thing. And, oh, I love all of your technique, all the things you used. It, you know, it was just fun. It was a, It's a fun movie to watch. Um, I know the topic seems rather heavy as we're speaking about it, but the reality is it's a really fun movie in the way that you filmed it. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the techniques that you saw, it's like the early Beatles uh, movies like Help, you know, you were doing a lot of those fun things throughout this movie. And I do want to talk about the Blue Panther. So, because we'll go back to this, but let's go talk about the Blue Panther and how the Blue Panther came about and um, all of that. Because that's fun. It's it makes this movie a lot of fun, even though it's the topic can be rather heavy. Uh, the way that you, as I said earlier, the way you you presented it and filmed it is is in a light way in many ways. So you can deal with both the heavy and the light together. And that's exactly how we did. You know, we're dealing with the heavy things through filmmaking and through, you know, the sort of the fun and the adventure of our of our filmmaking. Um, yeah, the Blue Panther. Okay, so the Blue Panther, <laughs> like the real backstory of the Blue Panther is one day we're kids, we're goofing around in our living room and uh, Sam disappears. It's me and Jared. And it's just like, where'd Sam go? And then... All of a sudden, he just jumps out wearing this costume. He's put on this wrestling mask that he got in Mexico, and he's got a, a shorty wet suit on. And uh, and he's just like, like, 
I'm the blue panther. And he starts wrestling with us. It's a very simple story. It happens all the time in families. Right. <laughs> um, in this case, you know, we don't talk about Sam going to find his mom. We talk about what if the blue panther goes to find his mom? Right. And to that, Sam says, yeah, because I think that's our code, you know, like that's our, that's a like insider sort of language for like, could we do this through kind of our, our playful experience or like, Hey, we're going to like channel the same energy that we put into goofing around and having fun to this thing. That's like impossible to even get a word out about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you do have fun with it. You just started filming. I mean, this how many? I mean, this is twenty five years of of this making this movie, or you know, started filming it. You know, for twenty five years, which reminds me a lot of the movie by Richard Linklater, Boyhood. Uh, when I was, you know, watching it, obviously that you know, there's lots of interesting similarities in so many ways. But that film was twelve years. They filmed it over twelve years, so, but with actors, you know, instead of you know real life human beings going through all of these uh, issues. When you started it, did you have any idea that this was going to be a 25-year project? And if you did uh, think about it at that point, would you have done it? No, I didn't think about that. Um, I did want to do something long-term, but to me, long-term was like, you know, something different. It was a different number than 25 years. Um and yeah, Linklater is a huge hero to me. So, um, tell him to watch mm-hmm. the movie, but, um, yes, <laughs> the, the experience of like, you know, this sort of unraveling of different layers where, you know, different stages in time, um, how that all came about was like, as a teenager, I got to see one of the up movies, uh, at a, you know, art house cinema in Seattle. And at the time I wasn't interested in documentaries, but I was like, that's a really interesting way to do a documentary. And then I sort of applied the same logic to this like film series I was doing with my brother where it's like, okay, we're going to make these little films and you're going to, you will see what happens. You'll grow older in them and we'll kind of work with, you know, where you're at in development. And then, um, and so that was a little bit more like my really like, basic kind of like boyhood concept like back then mm-hmm. uh in the late 90s but then um things keep evolving in the story at, at a point it's like when when we're actually going on the trip um to find Joyce it's more like i'm recording this for record but I'm not a filmmaker anymore. No, no, no. This is deeper than that. And I'm, I'm just, I just have to record it for record now because I don't know what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And, and then down the road, um, as things keep happening, I'm like, I take more ownership and I'm like, I need to make this as a movie because there's things here that I still don't understand. And I think it, it could also be helpful to other people. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. You kind of get to these big questions and it's just like, now it's time for me to really 
do this and own this own this story be, you know and and I gave I also did lots of time where I give people lots of space like you know subjects in the film you know for whatever reason it just it made more sense to like step back mm-hmm. and so that also added to this sort of patient long-term filmmaking process that like step back wait until things happen you know if I was if you were you know, writing the movie Star Wars or something like it seems like the movie and as you're watching it like happens in like, you know, what, like a week or something. I would imagine that like the true like lifespan of those characters in the first movie is like many years, you know, like that, like that, that kind of stuff. I, I don't think truly happens in, in that short of time. So at what point did you know it was time to stop filming and to start editing this and making it a documentary. Mm. Great question. Um, producer and collaborator Jason Reed and editor too um, came on board um, around 2015, and um, he was a real big motivator to like, okay, like. Let's really look at this. There had been no cuts of the film until then. Um, and I had amassed a huge archive. Yes. Gosh, I don't even know, you know, like there was, there was this, you know, but like I was really at that point, I was really ready to, it was going into a phase where I was really ready to sink in. I did a lot of shooting around that time and really started to get to this, this place in my brain as a director where I was like, okay, I see this. I see what this story is. You know, I didn't see the story. You know, I didn't fully, it wasn't fully realized, but I started to see, like, how it would all be. And um, that was really exciting. Um, And then we, you know, it was like a three-year, you know, um, the last three years were, like, full-time editing with, like, two editors, Jason, um, Reed and Darren Lund, wow. our editors, just like fantastic. They were just like burning and burning and burning and and cranking out so many edits and versions of scenes that you know all necessary to realizing the the final form, which to me feels like it's just like the biggest jigsaw puzzle you could possibly imagine. And the and the only way it works is if that last piece like fits. It has to it has to. It, it doesn't work any other way. So um, this is the this is the cut. There's no going to be no other version of it. Um, and it's it's right. It's it's right on. Yeah, I was going to ask you how many years now? Three years with several uh, editors working <laughs> on it. Oh my gosh! You know, I'm, I mean, how many hours of footage did you have? Yeah, we don't actually know. Um, strangely. And this is a number we should know, but like, there's something like, okay, just, okay. So, so many different formats too. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, it's like VHS timeline and super eight timeline. There's like right. all these different timelines. And I think like, there's like ridiculous amount of just like the super eight film is like, like, like days long. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you'd be watching that for days on super eight. Like how much money is that? It's ridiculous. Um, so yeah. It's a it's a it's it's a piece of long term filmmaking that is like a collage of you know it's like diving into a interesting scrapbook of filmmaking and 
Um, not just that, but it's a really compelling narrative film uh, about family and and loss and relationships and motherhood and generational trauma. Yeah, it is. I mean, it really is. It's got all the, all of the aspects in there, for for sure. When it, I know it started off being one thing, and then you know, I'm sure it evolved. I mean, obviously, who knows what it, it, it kept evolving as time went on. I'm sure. But then, what you know, really getting into, I, I want to talk about adverse childhood experiences, which are ACEs. You said um, because it goes into why you feel that this movie is a movie that everyone should see. Um, you know, in the in the in the research, it, it says that one in three people um, experiences an adverse childhood experience. So that's I mean, and how this affects us. And we don't have too much longer to go, Reed. But can you talk a little bit about that and how, why you feel that this film is more um, to help people who have gone through some of these kinds of experiences? Yeah, this has been one of the most amazing things about releasing the movie and and seeing it with audiences is like we've we've witnessed like these great like reactions of you know people having similar experiences and I think that this is something that is just it's not talked about enough clearly. Right, we right. we those numbers, the ACE study score stuff is like all to do with like hey in our families, in our own lives, there's trauma. And, and, and it's, it's trauma is not something just for like other people. No, it's, it's in everybody's lives. And, uh, and knowing that I think frees us up a little bit to, um, to talk about it and to, um, get some of that stuff off of our, off of our chest. Um, you know, it, it doesn't help as shown in the movie. If you just sort of like, you know, tuck it away, push it away. Right. It's not, it's not, you're not going to help anyone. Right. <laughs> um, it needs to get out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the ACE stuff too was really inspiring. Um, the, uh, Dr. Burke Harris, um, was really getting the word out, um, around the time that it was beginning editing around the ACEs stuff. And she, uh, just really like hit the nail on the head was just like, this is okay. Not just are those, like, not just is it true that, um, you know, one in three of us have these ACE scores, but that stuff, those adverse childhood experiences, like, will tell, like, if you'll have, like, you know, shorter lifespan, right. you know, heart disease, if you, you know, do prison time, like, right. what happens in your childhood? All that, like, if you don't deal with it, if you don't, like, metabolize it and, like, process it. It'll affect you. It, yeah. For yeah. Most of and, your it's, life. and it's like, yeah. okay. It's underlying. So, that, I'm so sorry. I wish we could talk some more, but our time is up. And it's that underlying, you know, subconscious that, you know, all, for everyone that can change our what we do and how we respond and how we act. But thank you. Oh, I'm so sorry we can't talk more because it's a really fascinating film. Before we go, though, I want, uh, can you please tell us where people can see Sam now? Absolutely. Thank you so much. So, so yeah, we're showing theatrically. We're opening this week. Um, tomorrow, <laughs> April 6th um, in... in at Lemley Glendale, and then the next day, the 7th, in New York, 
I will be doing week long, long runs there and then, you know, nationally. But, uh, we are also going to be on PBS independent lens, um, starting May 8th. So please come out. Um, I'll be at a bunch of these screenings and, uh, I hope to see you there. Yeah, wonderful. I wish you much success with Sam now. Thank you, Reed, so much for being on the show. Everyone, seek it out, especially watch it on um, PBS when it comes on. So thank you so much. Thank you. To all my wonderful, loyal listeners, your love of film allows me to do what I do. If you want to support me, the best way to do that is to hit the subscribe button on the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, on YouTube, subscribing matters. If you are feeling really compelled, I want to hear from you. Have a burning question, comment, or review? Drop me an email at thejampryshow.com. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.